This is Solving Problems and Starting New Ones, a show that tries to be an incubator of great ideas and a place to challenge popular wisdom. Today, we're doing our final two chapters on education, where we'll talk about the changes that need to be made in high school and college, and you'll get all this from a guy in the street perspective. Before we begin, follow us on Facebook so you know when new episodes are out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a five-star review on iTunes, even if I don't deserve it. And if you have already, leave another one. It can't hurt, right? All right, before we begin, i got to give you the update on the 2020 presidential race update of 2020. And we have breaking news. Joe Biden has legally changed his name to the Delaware Diddler. This has been your 2020 presidential race update of 2020. And listen, I swear the next few episodes I'll start taking the updates seriously. All right. This is Chapter 5, High School. Ah, yes, high school. A simpler time with 9-11 and referring to Christian Indian friends as terrorists. Sorry, Justin. Let's start with some uh, quick ideas that should be added to every high school curriculum. Something that every 18-year-old should be taught right now is, at age 20, if you put $12 away a week, every week, into a Roth IRA... You will, re- you will retire a millionaire. There should be at least one year of teaching kids financial education. And I think if you start a class off with $12 a week will make you a millionaire, I think people are going to listen. Or you can wait till you're 40 and it will run you about $115 a week. Which one do you like, 12 at 20 or 115 at 40? One's more doable than the other and neither is impossible though. Here's another idea I heard. Why can't you earn a two-year degree in high school? A lot of college professors work about five hours a week. A lot of them are paid through tax dollar money. They have the time. What young kids lack today in street smarts, they make up for in book smarts. And the woke religious monsters out there, they want free college. This is as close as you're going to get. And they do have college courses that will help you earn credits. But what I'm promoting is a more streamlined two-year degree so you actually have a skill that you can use right out of high school. Here's another quick idea. What do you do with students with bad grades? You know, D's and F's. And I want to clarify something. I have problems with public unions like teacher and police unions, but private unions, they don't really bother me. In fact, I'd say what you'd want to do is have labor unions or labor and skill industries go after kids with poor grades. You know, teach them a skill. Listen, this country needs doctors, and doctors need people who can build hospitals. All because you may not be book smart doesn't mean you you don't have a role to play in society. Which leads us to the key word, direction. Everybody, every parent, wants their young kid to find their own way. Have time to find themselves. Listen, back 150 years ago, 98% of our economy was farming. My great-grandfather was a farmer. Essentially, everyone was a farmer. The reason summer vacation exists in school wasn't to give people a break. It was given because it was time to harvest the crops. So kids grew up with a, a very narrow direction. If you didn't want to grow up to be a farmer, then your only other options were, you know, maybe banker or a wooden wheel maker. And that's it. Just those three jobs and nothing else whatsoever. Anywho, so our schools are still made up of that ideology. Certainly not 100%, but certainly to a degree. And right now farming is 2% of our economy. So you can imagine how things have changed in, you know, a relatively short amount of time. Now today, jobs like farmer, banker, rubber wheel maker... And I assume many more. So I'm here to tell you, finding yourself is not a thing. It's a stupid, hippie logic. Don't find yourself, make yourself. 
So, how should the youth today do that? Well, you're going to need a pen and paper for this, and I'll do the best I can to explain. And listen, I don't care if you're driving. Get a pen and paper. Put your life in danger for me, okay? If you want to. All right, so my belief is there are 10 different categories of jobs if you really break it down. And a lot of these categories sort of overlap. And the categories are, get your pen ready, white-collar office bullshit, medical and smart sciencey stuff, Community work, communications and sales, you know, people person shit, skill or unskilled labor, aka backbreaking shit, transportation, arts like writing and drawing, entertainment like singing and dancing, sports from coaching to playing, and lastly, the food industry from agriculture to food scientists. That's also an industry that has the highest rates of drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. So if you're into any of those, that would be the category that works for you. In total, this comes out to 867 different job titles, which can be shrunk down to 459 different jobs. So 459 is the number you want to work with. Because for example, an account manager, an account executive, outside sales, inside sales, sales consultant, sales director, sales representative, are all derivatives of a salesman. It's all pretty much the same job, just different names. And yes, I counted every single job in America. It took me an entire year just to give you that 15 seconds of information. So just to bask in my own glory, I'm going to read off all 459 jobs so we can teach kids today what jobs are available for them. Here you go. Doctor. Lawyer. Nurse. And prostitute. I know that took a while, but you know me. Anything for you listeners. Back to the 10 categories. Now, when you heard the list, you may, you may have had trouble figuring out where your current job fits in. The reason being, it may be part of multiple categories. Say if you're a professional dog walker, that takes up the labor, salesman, transportation, and maybe community categories. Depending on the job you have in the food industry, it could very well take up all 10 categories. You walk 20 miles a day in the same 20-foot area like an out-of-shaped athlete, entertain and communicate with stupid customers. Maybe you gotta transport food. Maybe you gotta give some fat ass who's sucking down food like a vacuum the Heimlich maneuver like you're some sort of doctor. And do a bunch of paperwork and payroll crap, and if you can do that all in one day, you can call it an art. Now, what you wanna do is rate each category. If you look at the white-collar jobs category, you would want to look at that and ask yourself, am I okay with doing a little paperwork and a little computer work all the way to, am I okay with sitting at a desk for eight hours a day staring at a screen? And if you're the kind of person who can't see themselves in that type of environment, well, that brings the list of jobs from uh, 459 down to about the three, 320 range. And that's how you want to look at the categories, a range from one to 10. And hopefully that will lead people in a direction that they can prosper in. It's really about finding the categories that you absolutely hate and do not see yourself doing. Or say you know full well your drug-addicted uh, kindergartner isn't going to be a doctor, so you know to eliminate that from his direction and try and point him in a place where he can be you know, of some use to this planet. And it's also about finding something in the categories that you love to do and also something that you're good at, and hopefully it turns out to be the same job. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this chapter, but it's going to bleed a little bit into the next one. And hopefully I will expand upon this uh, on the YouTube channel down the line because it definitely needs some visual aids. 
With that being said, what I'm trying to show in this chapter, it isn't what it was 150 years ago. It isn't a choice between Coke and Pepsi. There's 459 options, and making life decisions is tough. You can see why today the most popular answer given when asked, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up, is, I don't know. And then it becomes, what do you want to do now that you are grown up? I don't know. So I hope this chapter gives a sense of direction to someone. Because without direction, you become one of these guys playing video games all day just to give yourself a sense of accomplishment. Then before you know it, you're taking Aunt Jemima's face off a bottle of syrup just to give yourself a sense of satisfaction. Happens all the time. Alright, let's move on to our last chapter. This is chapter 6, College. And I covered a lot of ground in episode 6, so with this I'm going to try and look at the cost of college and figure out why it is so high and figure out how we can bring the cost down. And for those of you, like me, that didn't go to college or don't plan to go, maybe you think this chapter won't be interesting. I'd stick around if I were you. Let's challenge some popular wisdom. With a four-year degree, you will earn 39% more than a person with a high school diploma. This is true. But unless you are getting into getting a law, medical, science, or engineering degree, most other degrees can't compete financially with uh, master electricians, contractors, or owner of, owner of landscaping companies and so forth. That 39% virtually disappears. So if you're going to go to college for the money, then you'd want to stick with science, medical, law, or engineering degrees. But, like I talked about in the last chapter, what if you want to get a community job like a teacher or work in the white-collar world? You're still going to need a degree to unlock that door. But just make sure it's a door you really want to go through and it's not about the money. I think too many people dismiss college far too easily. Right now, if you want to make a great paycheck, our economy has evolved to a point where you need an IQ of about 100 to be successful. Depending on which study you look at, the average American IQ is around, say, 88 to 98. It's nice to have jobs that have moved past mostly backbreaking labor, but slowly but surely, victory is defeating us. And it's only going to get worse. This is one of the reasons why people feel lost. The problem now becomes a question of direction, which we covered, and cost. So the question is, was college always so expensive? And the answer is no. So that leads me to, when did it go up, and what was the catalyst for the price increase? Well, it's gone up from 1970 to 2020 by 340% when adjusted for inflation. But something caught my eye while looking this up and doing the research, which is college debt has doubled in the last 10 years. So what happened in 2010? And I'm sorry, but I might offend everybody's boyfriend, Broccoli Obama, but... In 2010, he signed a new education law, uh, loan law which eliminated fees for college loans paid to the banks. It was thought to save students money. And according to those right-wing evil conspirators at CNN, Obama's loan policy in the first five years doubled what was expected and has only gone up from there. So here is how the whole system works currently in a nutshell. A student needs a loan to go to college so they get a federal education loan. That guaranteed loan money goes to the college. The student never touches that money. And at this point, the student is no longer a student. They are simply collateral. The student cannot file for bankruptcy, no matter what. The college has already gotten paid. The student's job is to pay back that money to the government with interest. That's billions of dollars in interest to these kings and queens. From there, the student loan money goes from the colleges to a few different places. It pays the teachers and professors, but because no one has a problem with taking money from the taxpayer cookie jar, 
it goes to the ever-increasing non-teaching staff. That includes fundraising staff, athletics, lawyers, admissions, financial aid officers, diversity and inclusion managers, maintenance, security, food workers, and many more. The staff size in almost all colleges have gone up, but the number of students hasn't changed much in the last 10 years. And that's usually where people stop when it comes to the rising cost of college. But on this show, we follow the dollar until we reach the last penny. So where else does your tax dollar go to? And remember, this is your tax dollars until the student pays back the loan. Unless, of course, they end up getting hooked up with a little student loan forgiveness, in which case, you pay. And if you already graduated and paid your own loan, guess what? You're still paying for someone else's. So after paying the teachers and non-teaching staff, your money goes into what's called an endowment, basically a big bucket of money. And that money gets taken care of by the hedge fund managers put there by investors. Now, a lot of you may not know this, but colleges have investors. I looked at, you know, just a random college, UMass Amherst, which is a public college. And I I wanted to look into what kind of investors they have. And honestly, I was expecting names I'd never heard of, and I thought it was going to take weeks of researching them. But nope, right on their website, what's the first thing I see? Raytheon, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Procter & Gamble, General Electric. These are their investors. So from there, the hedge fund managers or stock managers take that money from the big bucket of money and put it to a friendly place called Wall Street. And that is where your tax dollars end up. We are the only country with this system. And if you think free college tuition is a good idea, just listen, just do us all a favor. Don't vote and someone will be there shortly to pat you on your head. Okay? So how do we fix this shit show? Step one, get the government out of the student loan business. They're over $20 trillion in debt, and just, listen, handling money just isn't the thing, all right? Step two, let the banks be in charge of student loans. And listen, maybe some of you might be against this idea for a couple of reasons. One reason might be because uh, it will be tougher for low-income students to afford to go to school. Good. Maybe companies will stop running ads that say, must-have two-year degree, compensation, $13.50 an hour. When everyone has a college degree, they're going to keep doing that because they can get away with it. If there's less degrees, then maybe they'll focus more on, you know, job training. Another reason you may not like this idea is because you don't trust banks. So I guess instead we'll trust the biggest monopoly in the country, the government. But let me qualm qualm your fears. The banks want to give loans. The banks do not want you to file for bankruptcy. The bank is not going to give you an overpriced loan to become a historian of comic books. The bank is not going to let you take a class where you are not going to learn a skill that will make you money. They want you to make money so you can pay back that loan. Just like the bank wouldn't give you a $20,000 car loan for a car that's only worth $500. The college needs students. More importantly, they need that student money. The bank is not going to give money for useless classes that teach useless skills. So the college would have to cut back on staff that shouldn't have been there in the first place. The college is going to have to cut back on bullshit classes that sound good, but are of no good. Maybe if the colleges believe their school and their classes are worth the price, maybe they should co-sign with the student for the bank loan. And this would make the big bank institutions take on the big college institutions and the student would be the recipient of more affordable colleges. And with that, this is the end of our series on education, and hopefully you got something from all that.
Education is one of the five broken pillars in our society. And in our next episode, we're going to be putting all six chapters together into one episode. And we'll do a quick five, ten minute episode to cover a handful of topics at rapid pace. I'm going to try and take a little time off to catch up on some reading and some writing. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't want to end up phoning in episodes. With that being said, next couple episodes, we'll be phoning it in. But when I return, we'll be tackling history, popular wisdom, and a start of a new series of chapters focusing on another broken pillar in our society, border security. And that's it for this episode. If you like a transcript of this episode or any episode, reach out to, reach out to us on Facebook or email me at nick at solvingproblemsandstartingnewones.com. This was Solving Problems and Starting Ones. See ya.